The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, conversing with him. Then Peter said to Jesus in reply, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud cast a shadow over them. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell prostrate and were very much afraid. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and do not be afraid. And when the disciples raised their eyes, they saw no one else but Jesus alone. As they were coming down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, Do not tell the vision to anyone until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. So this Gospel is known as the Transfiguration. The Transfiguration on Mount Tabor. Has anyone ever been to Mount Tabor? All right. Did you walk up it? (laughs) I walked up it once. It took me about 50 minutes going back and forth on the switchback road. I wanted to get a little bit of a sense of what it was like for Jesus to take Peter, James, and John with him. But it is a, you know, it's not a tall mountain, but it's a big hill, that's for sure. And it does have a great view. And so then he's transfigured, he's lifted up. And they see him in his glory, as as it's described here today. It had to be quite a sight. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And then Moses and Elijah are there, representing the law and the prophets. So it's like everything a Jewish person could have ever hoped for. You know, the Messiah and the ones who pointed to him. Most spectacularly, you might say, during their lifetime, Moses and Elijah. And then we get this, you might say, revelation of the Trinity, this epiphany of sorts. The cloud representing the Holy Spirit, and then the voice of the Father. And I think we should zero in a little bit on what the Father had to say. He said... This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Listen to him. Maybe we could just focus on that for a second. God wants us to listen to him. What is God saying to us? What is God saying to you today? God wants to speak to all of us every day in different ways. 
Are you listening? God wants to help us. He wants to lead us and guide us. He wants to console us. He wants to encourage us and affirm us. And he does that in different ways. But he will speak to you if you are listening, if your ears are open. Are you going to hear him audibly with these ears? Probably not. That's never happened to me. But in your conscience, the voice of conscience, do this, don't do that. That's God. God uses that. God uses our minds to speak to us. Sometimes it's louder than other times, for sure. But as we get practice at listening and as we pray to hear him more clearly, it becomes easier. How many of you have ever had to learn a new language? Okay, many of you, right? So have I. I had to learn Spanish and Italian at the same time and study philosophy in Rome in Italian. That was hard. <laughs> it took a lot of effort. The first three months were terrible. They were terrible. I would go to class, philosophy class, with an English-Italian dictionary and just try to pick up words. What did he say? I wasn't learning philosophy. I was learning Italian, sitting in philosophy class. That was not fun. And then when I went to lunch after class, Everybody was speaking Spanish around me, and I didn't speak Spanish, so I didn't get a break. I didn't get a break. My only break came when I would find other Americans in the house and say, hey, you want to talk? <laughs> in English? Inglese. No, okay. Parliamo l'inglese. So it took time. It took a good three months of constant effort to train my ear so that I could start picking up what was being said and processing philosophy. So I think it's the same for hearing the voice of God. It takes effort. It takes time. And you're not always sure, was that God? Was that really God? Like, is God really wanting me to do this or, or say that? What's he saying to me? But trust me, the more you ask him to help you listen and to pay attention and to process, he will help. He will definitely help. And you'll get more and more confidence in hearing his voice, in your conscience, in your heart. Some of you are more visual. Sometimes God gives, you know, he'll use our imagination. And so you'll get different visions, different, you know, Images in your head, in your imagination, and God will use those to speak to you. Sometimes it's an emotion or a sentiment that comes over you. If you're thinking about something, does it bring peace or does it bring agitation and anxiety? So then you can start discerning the spirits. God never inspires fear. God is never like, I shouldn't say never, but... He's not in a hurry to rush you, to push you into something in a hurried way. That's probably a better way of saying it. 
God never like rushes around like a chicken with his head cut off. That's not God. And God doesn't want you to do things out of fear either. It doesn't mean that you won't be scared of doing something that God asks you to do. It's not that God isn't pushing us out of our comfort zone at times. But he doesn't motivate with fear. He doesn't want to do that. He wants to motivate out of love. He wants to respect our freedom. And sometimes it's just a gentle intuition. I'm very intuitive. I don't often get very clear words because that's just not my personality. So God often speaks to you according to your personality. If you're a detailed person, God will probably give you very detailed instructions, very clearly. But if you're more intuitive, like I am, it won't be so clear. But then you have to learn how to read God's gentle intuitions. And then, of course, he's going to speak to us through his word. And that's why it's important that we read scripture, especially the New Testament, so that you know what God's voice sounds like, so that you can discern, again, was that God or was that some other voice? Or was that just me? God can speak to us through song, especially good Christian music, worship songs. God can really get to us in many different ways. But it's a matter of listening and training our ears, the ears of our hearts, to hear him, to listen. And then, of course, to take action on those inspirations. And the more faithful we are to acting on those inspirations, the more God will send them. The more docile you are, the easier it will be for God to send you messages, to speak to you, to lead you and guide you. That may be a really foreign concept for a lot of you. You might think, oh gosh, I'm not holy. Why would God want to talk to me? I don't deserve to hear from God. God is your father. And he's a father like no other father you've ever had or seen. God is extremely patient and merciful and kind. And he knows us intimately. And he wants to communicate with each and every one of you in a personal way, in a way that will speak to your heart, in a way that will move you, in a way that will heal you. I was meditating this morning myself on something that I needed to hear from God, that I needed to feel from God. I needed to feel his sympathy for me in a particular place, a particular event that happened to me that was difficult, that was painful. But I realized I was telling myself, ah, I don't need God's sympathy, and I'll just offer it up. Well, I don't think that just offering it up is very healing, right? That's not a very personal kind of interaction. How many of you have had people tell you, offer it up? And you're like, yeah, thanks a lot. 
you know? <laughs> when you're in pain, when you're hurting in some way. I just offer it up. But Jesus doesn't want us to just offer it up. On the contrary, he wants to enter into our reality completely, entirely, personally. And he wants to communicate. He wants to know what's bothering you. What's bothering you? Jim, Mary, John, Beth, what's bothering you? Tell me, let's talk. He cares. He wants to know. And then he wants to pour out his spirit, the Holy Spirit, makes this encounter with the living God something transforming, something that can be healing, and it's transformative. Just as Jesus was transfigured today, God wants us to experience that kind of glory for ourselves. That whatever pain and suffering you've had to endure, and ultimately we all have to experience death and separation, that even that doesn't have the final word. So God wants us to experience the hope, the incredible hope that he gives us, that the resurrection gives us. And even though it's Lent, even in Lent, on Sundays, we celebrate the resurrection. We're here to renew our faith in the fact, in the historical fact, that Jesus rose from the dead. And we profess our faith in that in just a minute. We profess our faith in that, but we experience it, especially when we receive the living God in Holy Communion who comes to us as the divine lover, full of this divine eros. He has to come out of himself in order to be one with you. That's how much he loves you. Heaven coming down to earth, coming to you. Not coming to a theater near you. <laughs> coming to you today. In just a few minutes. To meet with you, to have an encounter that will be transforming, that will be life-giving, that will be healing. So let's ask the Lord to help us listen today, to keep working on our ears, our inner ears, our interior ears, so we can hear his voice, so that we can be comforted by the Good Shepherd who knows us by name and who calls us by name and who loves us with an everlasting love.